Um, so if you need a Bible, please put a hand up and a steward to come bring you one. And this evening we're going to have a couple of readings in the book of Proverbs, and then we're going to have a longer reading in Philippians. So rather than kind of jumping all over the place, what I'm going to suggest we do is if you turn to the book of Phil- um, letter Philippians, and to chapter 2, and there'll be one or two um, Proverbs read first, which appear on the screen, and then we'll read from Philippians 2. I'm going to invite Shelley to come and read that for us. Proverbs sixteen eighteen. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs eleven twelve. Whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. Philippians two five through eleven. That's on eleven seventy nine. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Great. Thanks, Shelley. I'm going to move that over there. Well, we've got another one-off sermon this evening. We're looking at the uh, Old Testament book of Proverbs, and we're looking particularly at a theme uh, in Proverbs. You might have uh, been able to guess uh, what the theme was in the the readings, but um, why don't I pray for us as we look at Proverbs uh, this evening? So let's let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you that you uh, write your words so that you want to be understood and and heard uh, and, uh, and obeyed and listened to. As we open your word this evening, please give us hearts that want to sit underneath what you have to say, knowing that you are God and we are not. And we pray that the Lord Jesus would be glorified. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, In tonight's uh, one-off sermon, we're going to look, as I say, at the Old Testament book of Proverbs. And Proverbs, after the first few chapters, uh, actually read like a, a bunch of Proverbs, which don't uh, have a, a particular connection, which is why we're skipping through a number of the Proverbs on the, on the reading. Uh, so it might be worth, as, uh, as Tim was saying, to stick with Philippians, and then the, the Proverbs will come up uh, on the screen. Maybe you can note them down if you want to look at them later. In his book, uh, written for uh, people uh, looking into Christianity, uh, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, uh, he wrote a chapter on, uh, in, in this book called The Great Sin. Now, that sounds, let's be honest, that sounds like an ominous, an ominous title, doesn't it? Um, this is what he wrote in this chapter. It should appear on the screen. Sorry, guys, I haven't got the clicker with me, so I was trying to find it. But uh, There is one vice which means sin, of which no man in the world is free, which everyone in the world loathes when he sees it in someone else, and of which hardly any people ever imagine they are guilty 
themselves. That's what C.S. Lewis said in this chapter, uh, The Great Sin. Every human being, he says, struggles with this sin. When we see it in others, we recognize it we see, uh, and recognize its ugliness. But we never think we're guilty of it ourselves. Uh, later on, uh, Lewis wrote that Christian teachers often uh, throughout history see the sin as the essential vice, the utmost evil. He's, he's sort of building, building the tension, isn't he? What is it? What sin could Lewis be actually talking about? Is it lust or, or greed or drunkenness? What is it, uh, C.S. Lewis, tell us? No, the sin that Lewis called the great sin is the sin of pride. And I wonder whether how you react in your heads when you hear that. Maybe you think in your heads, waffle, phew, I'm, I'm a bit okay now. You had me worried there. I thought, I thought you were going to mention a sin that I struggle with. I don't struggle with pride. And therein lies the problem. No one in this room will think they need to hear this sermon. And we'll be thinking, oh, I hope so-and-so is listening uh, to this sermon. They really struggle with pride. They really need to hear this sermon. And secretly, maybe we're uh, maybe, uh, looking backwards and forwards stealthily around the room thinking, are, are they here? Are you listening to this? You really need to hear about this, uh, this sermon. But God wants us all to know that this sermon is about you, about all of us, nobody else. We're not meant to be thinking about other people. Are they listening? We're going to think about this sermon is directed at us. And so what does God have to say to us about pride through the book of Proverbs and then through uh, to the Lord Jesus in the New Testament of Philippians? Well, first, uh, he says that proud people don't listen to advice. Proud people don't listen to advice. When Proverbs addresses the, the sin of pride, it says that a proud person will not accept advice, will not accept correction. And this is what Proverbs 13 verse 10 says. Where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Where, in other words, where there is conflict, uh, when someone who's been given advice says, absolutely not, I'm, you're wrong, I'm not taking that advice, there's conflict there. There's pride, but the opposite, the flip side, the opposite side of the coin is wisdom is found in those who take advice. Maybe you can see the situation now. A wife or a husband approaches their spouse because they know what they're doing is not quite right. Maybe it's a decision they've, that the spouse has made which the wife or husband thinks is a bit unwise. And although the wife or the husband gives good advice, the, the spouse who hears it responds angrily and an argument ensues. Now, there might not have been anything wrong with what the spouse has said. Rather, giving advice to someone who struggles with pride, which is all of us most of the time, is like poking a grizzly bear with a sharp stick. It erupts into strife, into arguments. So why does pride angrily react to advice or correction. Why, why is that? Why do we do that? I, I feel that in my life, I can think of, as I was, as I was preparing this sermon, I was thinking, ah, oh, I, I can think of the last few months where this has happened to me. Why, why does pride react angrily to advice or correction? Well, it's because the proud person thinks they know everything and everything they do is right. No matter who we are, 
we're not always in the right. I don't know whether that's news to you. <laughs> no matter who we are, we're not always in the right, and we don't always do what is right. Our, our self-perception, because of sin, because of pride, is distorted. It's a bit like uh, someone going into a hall of mirrors in the circus. I, you know, I haven't been to a circus for years. I'm assuming this is how those hall of mirrors, which either makes you, you know, uh, get, uh, go big or go small because the, the mirrors are, are curved. It's been going into a hall of mirrors at circus, and you think to themselves, actually, if I, if I look like that, I'm okay. But they're, they're seeing a distorted view of themselves. Proud people cannot see themselves accurately. Uh, giving advice or correction threatens their belief of, right, of rightness. So as we listen to what God is saying to us tonight, we need to prayerfully examine our own hearts, all of us. Are we someone who will not listen to advice when other people give it to us? Are we someone who will pick a fight with someone if they try to correct us? And we are a community, if we, uh, if we understand the New Testament, we are a community who should be speaking into each other's lives to uh, correct, correct each other because all of us have a sinful heart that wants to go sin's way. Are we always right and other people always wrong? If so, then they're classic warning signs that we're struggling with pride. Uh, Tim Keller uh, tweeted once and, and wrote in his book that pride is like the carbon monoxide of sins. For the person who suffers from it, they can't smell it. They can't see it. It's other people who can speak into, into their lives to identify pride. The deep irony and the spiritual danger of pride is that the people who are most proud are least likely to be listening to this sermon and thinking, this is a sermon for me. In other words, the people in this congregation uh, who've already switched, uh, who already need to hear the warning against pride, you've already switched off. Or you're thinking about someone else who needs to hear about it. Here's a, here's a brave thing to suggest as, you know, as Christians. The best way of, of discovering whether you struggle with pride is asking a close friend this question, how easy is it to disagree uh, with me? How easy is it to disagree with me? If you're married, maybe your spouse is the ideal person, I don't know. But when you do ask someone that question, uh, don't get defensive at the answer. Don't try and justify yourself to them saying, well, it's the way you, it's the way you tell me these things, that you're the problem. Rather, listen to what they have to say, take it in, go away and reflect on it, pray it through. You know, how easy is it for, for, for someone to disagree with you? you know, our closest friends usually have a more accurate view of us and a more accurate view of what we struggle with than we do. And if we uh, struggle with pride, then don't worry, your friends will know about it. It's just that maybe you'll be the last one to know. Second, uh, proud people are heading for destruction. And so this, this, this second point flows out of that first point of, um, of, of proud people not listening to advice. Uh, because proud people won't listen to advice, they won't listen to correction, they're on a path, they're steaming along, they're thinking, okay, this is the right way, I'm honest. Someone says, mm, you're not quite living life the right way, and they say, I don't want to know, I'm okay. It places them in great danger because none of us will always make the, right, the wise decision every single time. There'll be times we'll make wrong decisions 
And we need other people to feed into our lives, to say, that's not quite right. You're going in the wrong direction. Turn around. And so to avoid hurting ourselves and hurting others, we need others to step in and to warn us, to correct us. But the proud person will not heed any advice or warning, or very seldomly will they heed any advice or warning. This is what Proverbs 16, 18 uh, says, and maybe as a culture, this has gone into our, uh, into our sayings, but we sli- I think we slightly um, missay it, because uh, it says, pride goes before, not a fall, but pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. This might be a, an illustration you know uh, well, but it's worth, <laughs> it's worth saying it again. Just imagine, uh, there's a, sto- a story of an admiral who stood on the bridge of his battleship at night, and suddenly in the distance they see, see some lights. Uh, it looks like another ship, and it looks like they're on a collision course with another ship, and the admiral tells the communication officer to signal to the ship, collision immediate, change your course five degrees south. The reply comes back almost immediately, no, you change your course five degrees north. The admiral bristles with anger, how dare the other person give me orders? Don't they know who I am? I'm an admiral of this fleet. He barks out the message, change your course five degrees south, I'm an admiral. The reply comes back, no, you change your, uh, your course five degrees north, I'm an able seaman, which is the lowest uh, rank in the navy. And the admiral is absolutely fuming now. He's getting told what to do by an able seaman, the lowest rank in the navy. Uh, How dare this person tell me what to do? I'm going to have him court-martialed. The last message, change your course five degrees south. I'm a battleship. And there was a pause before the final message comes back. Change your course five degrees north. I'm a lighthouse. Proud people are like that admiral. They are doomed to shipwreck themselves on the rocks because they will not listen to other people. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. They will not listen to other people. And I think pride leading to destruction can can play out in two ways. The first way that pride can lead to destruction is when proud people experience the, the traumatic uh, circumstances in the here and now, maybe the, the, the results of their pride of, of constantly not listening again and again and again. Uh, Christians who, uh, who are proud can bring their marriages crashing down on them because of the ongoing conflict generated by not listening. They can find themselves lonely uh, or isolated because one day you know, they realize they've alienated all their friends by being confrontational or argumentative. Maybe they can be seen to be marginalized at work or maybe lose their jobs because of their inflexible stance on something which they could have been more flexible over. And the thing that will make the aftermath of those situations more bitter is the thought that they could have been avoided if only I'd listened. If only I'd listened to the the time. If only listened to others. But perhaps the bigger way that pride can lead to destruction is as we think about our relationship with God in in eternity. The proud person will never put their trust in Jesus because it takes humility to say, Jesus, you are right, I am wrong. I need to repent, to say sorry for my sins, to turn around like that battleship and to sail in a different direction. 
If they think there's a God, they will try and earn a relationship with him by doing good things. But uh, the essence of a Christian is that, that that first step of becoming a Christian is that they've, they've bowed the knee to humility, saying, Jesus, you are king of the universe. I'm not king, and I need to submit to you. You know, proud people are heading for destruction. Thirdly, proud, proud people can't relate to God. I think we've touched on this theme a little bit on this, on this previous point. But a proud person cannot relate to God because they will not submit themselves to God. Proud people may be opposed to God, and God is opposed to them. That's what Proverbs 16 verse 5 says. If we could have the next one. Thank you. Uh, the Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. You know, that's, that's strong language. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Those who rebel against him is right and good rule of this universe. If you're a parent, and just imagine how offensive it would be if your children started ignoring you completely, uh, but they still lived in your house, which you pay for, and ate your food, which you buy and cook, uh, and enjoy the heat and light of, um, the, of the bills that you cover. That is what it's like for us as human beings to live in God's world, enjoying all the blessings that God provides of friendship and food and fun and fitness, but not be a Christian, of saying, actually, no, I rule my life, God, not you. Pride makes us think that we're the king, but actually there is only one king of this universe, and God will not allow human beings to think that they wear the crown forever. And when that day comes, um, the, the dethroning will be an awful shock for people. On the flip side, uh, a, pr a proud person will never see their need of God. Here's, uh, again, in the, in the chapter that C.S. Lewis wrote, uh, this is what he writes. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on the things and people. And of course, as you are looking down, you cannot see what is above you. Pride uh, cuts us off from knowing God, because we're always looking down and never looking up. Let me give you an illustration of someone who's, who wasn't a Christian, never became a Christian, uh, but uh, as an example of that, here's a, a guy called an Irish atheist and mathematician, George Bernard Shaw said this, forgiveness is a beggar's refuge. I'll pay my own debts, thank you. And in many ways, George Bernard Shaw has understand Christianity, he's understood what it means to be a Christian, to realize I need forgiveness. I'm a beggar coming to, to God, to asking him to release me from the sins, the, the, the death of the sins I've, I've, I've done. And, and shockingly, George Bernard Shaw says, I'll pay my own debts. I do not want to be a beggar. And if you're looking into Christianity, then that's an important truth to realize if you're not a Christian at the moment. You, you cannot come to God. You cannot uh, understand why Jesus came to earth. Uh, you cannot come to God on your own terms and hope to be accepted. Your whole life has been spent, whether actively or passively, at war with God. Uh, and if you want peace with God, then you need to fill that beggar's role. You need to say, uh, to lay down your arms and say, I come and ask you for peace terms. And, and accept the peace terms that he's prepared to give. 
Look, if we're already Christians, then the truth that proud people cannot relate to God should alarm us. Uh, obviously, we, became, we humbled ourselves to ask for forgiveness at the start. But if proud people um, cannot relate to God, then surely if we, find, if we see pride inside of us, surely that m- makes us want to uproot it, to kill it, not to allow it to fester and grow and infect our life with pride because it, it won't, pride just won't have a horizontal impact between me and other human beings. It will also have a vertical impact between myself and God. Uh, proud people can't relate to God. And fourth, the answer is Jesus-like humility is the answer to our pride. Jesus-like humility is the answer to our pride. Hopefully, as we've looked at these Proverbs, we've seen the danger of pride, the danger of saying, not me, I, I don't struggle with pride. And what, where the answer is found? Well, the answer is found in humility. Proverbs 11 verse 2 says this, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. A proud person will refuse to listen to advice or correction, and eventually they'll experience disgrace. They didn't, they didn't heed the warnings, so they, they, they come to disgrace. But the second half of the proverb teaches us that a person who is humble and accepts advice and correction will gain wisdom. We need to be, humili- we need to be humble. We need to have humility. If someone who listens to wisdom then will hear her speak to us, she'll say the wisest thing we can do in this life is Proverbs 15, verse 33, which should come, up, should come up next, I hope, if I put it in. There we go. Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility beca- uh, comes before honor. Now, to fear the Lord doesn't mean to be in terror of Him. Rather, fear the Lord means to be in awe of Him, to honor Him, to respect Him, and ultimately to bow the knee to Him. And the second half of the proverb tells us that humility becomes before honor. In other words, if we want to reach the destination of honor, then the road we need to take is the road of humility. You could paraphrase it by saying, if you want honor, then you get it by going on the road of of being humble. The shape of the Christian life can be seen all around us, even though uh, it's in a secular symbol at the moment. It's, the, it's what's called the Nike swoosh. You know the Nike swoosh? It, it goes down and up. It's like, a, it's like a tick, isn't it, in effect? It goes down and it goes up. You see, you see it on trainers. You see it on, on clothing. Um, it goes down uh, and then up. And that's what it's like when we became Christians. Uh, we start from a position where we think quite highly of ourselves, and then when we realize that Jesus is king, we go down because we, need, we know that humility, uh, we need that humility to, to realize we are not the center of the universe, rather God is. And in going down, ironically, uh, it swooshes back up because those who are humble, uh, uh, who humble themselves under God will eventually be exalted. The way of the world is to say, get what you want today. You know, barge and bustle, you know, use your elbows, make sure that you uh, put yourselves forward. You're, you're worth it, is what our world says today. The gospel, symbolized by that Nike swoosh, is saying, down first, then up. Down first, and then up. 
It's the shape of the Christian life because it was the shape of Jesus' life. And as we move into the New Testament, if, and if you've got Philippians, it's page 1179. This is where we're going to spend a bit more of a chunk of a time at, uh, at this evening. Is We read it in Philippians 2. And verse 5 says uh, this from Philippians 2. In your relationship with one another, with other Christians, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Okay, Paul, what was that mindset? Tell me. And Paul says it was one of humility. Jesus, the most important person in the entire universe, took a massive step down by being born as a fragile baby in Bethlehem. His entire mindset was one of humility. If you were born in a palace, would you have given it up? You know, the lifestyle of having whatever you want, whenever you want, having the money to do anything that you, you choose to do. I don't think I would have given it up. Jesus did exactly that. He humbled himself by giving up the privileges of heaven that he enjoyed as God. This is what verse 6 says. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He humbly gave up his status. He went from king of the whole universe uh, to be a, a blue-collar worker in a backwater part of the Roman Empire. Verse 7, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. But that was not the end of his humility. He actually chose, actively chose to die in the most shameful way, verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Do you see the night swoosh? Down first. Jesus was uh, the king in heaven. Down first, uh, humbling himself to death on a cross. Uh, but here comes the upward bit of the night swoosh. Verse 9. Therefore, God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, uh, that, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And Jesus exalted the highest place because he humbled himself and he exalted. That is the gospel shape. That's what happens when we first become a Christian. And every day of our Christian lives, the, the, the night swoosh, is the, is, is the pattern we follow down first and then up. You probably already heard this. I'm sure we've said this before uh, in church. Nike is actually a, a Greek word. Uh, and, and the Greek word in English of Nike means victory. Victory uh, is when we go down first and up following the Lord Jesus. And as human beings, our pride tells us the way we get to glory is to exalt ourselves, to make us the center of attention. But the gospel says, down first, the way and up afterwards. That is the way of victory. It asks us to humble ourselves before the Lord Jesus and ask him to pay for our spiritual death through his sacrifice on the cross. It doesn't feel like victory at the time, does it? When we say to, to Jesus, I'm, I'm sorry, I've lived life not honoring you as king. I'm a rebel. I deserve your judgment. But please forgive me because your death on the cross 
Please help me to be humble, to walk humbly in your footsteps. It doesn't feel like victory. When someone comes to us and says, I think you're not quite right in the way that you go, and if we listen to them, it doesn't feel like victory, does it? We think victory feels like we're right all the time. But to do that, to follow the, the, the gospel pattern of down first, then up, we need to take, uh, we need to take trust, that, that we need to say no to our pride. But the gospel also says there's going to be a day when humble Christians will be exalted because Jesus is exalted. Because following Jesus is like being on a roller coaster. Jesus is like in that first carriage and we are in that last carriage, and we experience that everything he experienced, but that, that it's delayed. So as Jesus went down uh, uh, into humility, we follow him. Uh, but where is Jesus now? He is exalted to the highest place in heaven. But at the moment, we are still in the dip, aren't we? But we follow where Jesus has led. He's already gone down and been exalted. That is our trajectory. If we are people who love Jesus, who are following him as our king, we go down first, we're down in the dip, but heaven is coming, where we'll be exalted, where we'll climb to the top of the roller coaster on the coattails of Jesus. Look, pride is a sin that we all struggle with, and the question is whether we'll recognize the pride that's already inside of us or not. And as we've looked at, at Proverbs, at the ugliness of pride... Proud people don't listen to others. I'm sure you've seen that ugliness in other people. That ugliness is there inside of us too when we don't listen. We've seen the danger of pride. Proud people are heading for destruction because a proud person cannot trust in Jesus. They're always looking down and never looking up and seeing God. And we've seen how Jesus-like humility is the answer to our pride. It, It took Jesus... Uh, to go down first, to die on a cross, to pay for sins like pride, to then go up where we'll follow him if we are trusting in him. I'm going to pray for us as we, as we uh, come to the end of this part of our service. Uh, of our service. Let, me, let me pray. Let me ask our Heavenly Father uh, to help us uh, this week. He- loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for speaking to us from, from Proverbs about pride. Father, we trust that your word is true, that it's a sin that we all struggle with, and for the most part, we are blind to it. Please, Father, would you use other people to step into our lives to help us to see our pride? Ask that when, we, when that happens, we don't feel destroyed, we don't feel destroyed, uh, 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 overly uh, despairing rather we would remember the shape of the gospel and the shape of the life of the Lord Jesus that we must go down first and then up help us remember that that down first and then up is the shape of victory is the shape of Jesus life and as disciples we pray that we would walk in the steps of the Lord Jesus this week father help us to be brave help us to talk to someone who we love uh, and trust and ask them, to, uh, uh, ask them that question of how easy is it to disagree with us. Help us to humble ourselves in listening to that answer. And help us to um, grow in godliness in this area of pride. Help us, help us to be putting it to death, we pray, by the help of the Spirit. 
We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.